Good morning, Rose Bower. Let's all stand and let's sing because he lives. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He Sure. 
heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sins And won the victory Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever He sought me and bought me With His redeeming blood Good morning. Welcome to Rosebud this morning. We're so glad to have you with us this morning. I pray that you've uh, joined us this morning for Sunday school. You've already been blessed in that time. Um, if you haven't been in Sunday school this morning, you know, we have a place for you. Uh, please come and join us. Um, 
but we do welcome you here today. If you are visiting with us today, if there is a little card in front of you there, we'd appreciate if you could fill that out, either put it in the offering plate or in the little black box out um, in the foyer when you leave, just to get to know you a little bit better. This month, our focus verse has been Psalms 95, 1 through 6. It says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this day. I thank you for just allowing us to come to your house and to worship you and to sing praises to you, Father, and to honor and glorify you with our voices, with our songs, with, with just love and adoration. I just pray that you be with us during this service, Father, as we continue in worship of you in more song. And then as we hear your word, Father, I pray that you be with Jesse this morning as he brings our message. I just pray you just take um, everything of the world out of our heads, Father, as we can just focus on you this morning. Uh, may we apply it to our lives, use it for your honor and glory as we go out into this dark world, Father. I just ask that you just um, forgive us for the many ways we fail you. And for, most importantly, Father, we ask if there's anyone here, Father, that's never accepted you as a personal Savior, today will be the day they do. Forgive us again, Father, we fail you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. The ushers are going to be coming through the aisles to pick up the offering. I want to all remind you, we don't, we don't ever put money in the offering plate because we don't ever have cash. But we do do, what is it, PayPal? I think there's PayPal available. So if you don't carry cash like us and you want to, um, you, want to you know, worship God through the offering, um, you can always get on our website and donate that way too. But let's all stand and let's continue in worship by singing the song of the month. Christ our hope in life and death.
Jesus, there's nothing impossible. 
is the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our this time kids are going to line up at this door to your right they're going to go to children's church we're going to we're going to worship with one more song
what he's done, what he's done, all the glory and the honor to the Son, my sins are forgiven, my future is day. God, we thank you for the ability to come here and to worship you, Lord, for what you've done, to be able to seek you with all of our hearts, Lord, and to find you here in this place, Lord, to learn about you through your word, God, and to glorify you through music uh, and through just gazing upon who you are and what you've shown us in your word, Lord. Pray that you would be with Brother Jesse as he uh, comes this morning to share your word with us, Lord, that you would speak through him and that you would open our hearts to hear your word and to receive it. Um, and that you would hide deep within us. Not in my prayer. Amen. Thank you, Howie and Praise Team, Miss Terry, Scott and Billy. Thank you for uh, your work back there. It is good to see each of you here this morning. And uh, I rejoice that we have uh, a nice, cool, comfortable auditorium to come into today after this humidity that we've been going through. This, this is, uh, it's always a blessing to have air conditioning. You never miss it until it's gone. <laughs> Uh, today, I'm going to start out by giving a little bit of a testimony. Uh, yeah, y'all look at that a minute and figure that one out. Paula and I have been going to Rosebauer for uh, 19 years, going on 20, and at several different times I've made the comment that I have been in church all my life. But since most of y'all have just known me about 20 years, you just had to take my word uh, for the rest of it, for the other 40 uh, or 50 years, whatever. 60. Three. <laughs> uh, but uh, about a year ago, this picture popped up on Facebook, uh, to very much to my surprise. And uh, I had to study it a little bit. Uh, this appears to be Easter Sunday, and from the size that I am in my mother's arms, I would say uh, this was my first Easter at church, 1960. This was made uh, outside of uh, Friendship Baptist Church over in uh, Livingston County. Of course, my, my mother's holding me, my grandmother's in behind me, my dad and then my sister. Uh, <clears throat> so I was very surprised when that came up on Facebook, but I know I shared it then, and I said, okay. I've been saying all this time, I've been in church all my life, this is about as close to proof as I can give you. Uh, as part of my testimony, my mom and dad were not just Sunday morning church-going Christians. We were there every time the door was open. It didn't matter 
if it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, any kind of a special through the sur uh, special service through the week. Now, part of that was because Howie, he was the, the, the uh, song leader. We didn't have worship leaders. We called them song leaders. My dad did not have a beautiful uh, voice, but he resonated well. And I admit, I get that honest. My dad resonated well. I resonate well. But my dad was the, the song leader, so we was there at every service. I sat through every Sunday school class there was probably, every training union class on Sunday night. I was at all of the Wednesday evening Bible studies. Uh, by the time I was of the right age, I was in the RA group at church, the Royal Ambassadors for Christ. Now, long before there was Team Kid and Awana, you had RAs, Royal Ambassadors, and you had GAs, Girls in Action, uh, for the girls, and, and that was our, our kids' ministry back then. And so uh, when I got to the right age, I was in RAs. But with all uh, of this background of being in church, by the time I was eight years old, eight years old, there was a lot of things I did not know at eight years of, of age. But at eight years of age, I realized that I was lost. I realized that I did not have Christ in my heart. I realized at eight years uh, of age that, that death could happen to anybody at any time. I already realized that. And I realized that if I died, I was not going to go to heaven. And man, did that bother me. So on a, on a Sunday evening service, last Sunday in May of 1968, uh, I walked down front and, uh, of course, the pastor, Brother John Ahart, he knew I'd been under conviction and had been asking questions. And so he asked me what I wanted, and I told him. We went to the, the front pew, and, and we knelt down, and he said, Now, Jesse, he said, you know that your salvation is between you and Jesus Christ. You know that nobody can ask except you. You've got to ask Jesus to come into your heart and be a part of your heart and your life. And I said, yes, I do understand that. And I knew that. See, Jesus is a personal Savior. And he intends for us to uh, ask his forgiveness of sins and repent and ask him to come and indwell in our hearts and lives. So at the age of eight years old on that Sunday night, uh, that's what I did. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you right now, at the, at the age of eight years old, I can't tell you everything I spoke that night in my prayer. But man, I can tell you how wonderful I felt when I got up. And I know ever since then uh, that God has been with me, that his Holy Spirit has been with me and indwelled uh, my life and led me places, guided me places, and I rejoice uh, in that today. Now, about a year after that, as a project for RAs, uh, there were, by this time there were several of us in the RA group that had just recently been saved. And so our RA leaders asked us one evening, we want you to select a book in the Bible, any book you want to, and we want you to study it and start giving a report uh, on, on a chapter a week, uh, or maybe two chapters. And so... Uh, I, I started looking, and of course, uh, when you're eight years old, any book of the Bible looks 
big. And, and, and I, I was already smart enough. I knew I didn't want to pick Revelations. I knew that. Uh, but as I, as I searched and I asked my dad questions, I asked my, my pastor questions, I felt strongly led to study the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. So uh, I did, and uh, uh, when just, and, and, and it quickly became my favorite book of the Bible. As I was a boy, I don't know how many times I turned to the book of Ephesians because there is just so much in there about God's mercy, His grace, uh, and, and how to live a Christian life. And that's what uh, the, the book of Ephesians dwells on is uh, our Christian life and our unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ within the church. So I fell in love with the book. So here a few weeks ago, Justin asked me if I would uh, speak today, and he said, you can speak on anything you want to. And I thought, well, I'm going to look and see what our, our Bible study is. I, I, hope, I hope all of you uh, uh, are uh, into the foundations of the New Testament, our uh, Bible study that we've been going through since the first of the year i've really been i've really been loving it and so uh, i i looked ahead to see what the passages were for this past week did I, is it is it anything i wanted to speak on and boy when i saw we was in ephesians i thought yep i've got this i i can do this i love the book of ephesians so i told uh, uh justin then that uh i would gladly speak and and i felt all the way along that uh, that he was leading me to speak in the book of Ephesians. Now, we, we've been studying a lot of Paul's writings uh, in recent weeks. Brother Justin spoke a lot uh, about the Apostle Paul. And in the book of Ephesians, uh, biblical scholars are pretty certain that Paul wrote this letter. It is, it is not a sermon. He did not go to that church and speak it as a sermon. He wrote it as a letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, probably while he was under house arrest uh, in Rome. And uh, he had been there earlier and had started the church at Ephesus. And uh, uh, he, he, had, uh, he had a very successful ministry there uh, in the city of Ephesus. And it was so successful that at one time he had so many uh, Jewish and Gentile uh, people coming to Christ that it was upsetting the silversmiths in the city. Now, here's why it upset, it upset the silversmiths. Ephesus was a very pagan city, uh, and it was home to the Temple of Artemis, which is a Greek god, and the Romans referred to it as the goddess Diana. So... Uh, you had a lot of pagan religion, a lot of pagan rituals uh, in this city. And Paul's ministry was so successful. So many people had come to Christ that it was hurting the sales of the silversmiths who made all the little trinkets and everything that went along with the pagan worship and the pagan rituals. So they caused an uprising. Paul had to leave. He had to leave town quickly. Uh, so he was very familiar with the people at Ephesus. He was familiar uh, with the city, and uh, he, he had a history there, so to speak. But uh, as, as he uh, was 
under house arrest uh, in Rome, word got to him that there was a problem at the church at Ephesus. Now, it wasn't anything near as serious as what we learned uh, some of the problems were at the church of Corinth, the church of Colossae, in, uh, when he wrote the, uh, 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 the letter of Colossians. It wasn't anything uh, that serious. It didn't really address anything as far as a heresy or anything of that purpose. But what we see in the writing is that the church was not as unified as it needed to be. More specifically, keep in mind you had uh, in, in this church, you had Jewish believers, uh, Jewish people who had been converted to Christianity, and then you had uh, uh, Gentiles, or as the Old Testament says a lot, heathens. Now, as I got to studying uh, the book of Ephesians as a kid. I don't know why, but I never did like that word heathen. But uh, I quickly learned out that if you're not a Jew uh, in this day and age, uh, you're a heathen. And uh, I didn't really, I didn't really uh, uh, care for that word. But uh, the other word uh, for uh, a heathen is Gentile. So uh, it looks as if Paul is writing this letter because the Jews within the Ephesian church had gotten to where they tended to be a little exclusive and separated themselves from the Gentile believers. Uh, I don't know that they ever got snooty, but uh, from, from what Bible scholars believe, uh, it was very possible that when they all come together in corporate worship as we are today, uh, the Jews kind of sit to one side and the Gentiles kind of sit to the other. And they, there was division there. Uh, wasn't anything separating the church, breaking it up. But it's not as the way God intended for us uh, to worship together. So Paul begins uh, in the book of Ephesians uh, with... Uh, a letter we're going to we're going to get into the second chapter here shortly but he started out uh, in the uh, first chapter of the letter uh, he, he discusses the plan of salvation and how that it is universal in scope then he goes into a prayer uh, in verse 15 and in this prayer he asks that the Holy Spirit give the readers of this letter a spirit of wisdom and revelation and that the eyes of their hearts be enlightened that they might understand the glorious riches of Christ's inheritance and his great power for the believers at Ephesus. Uh, then as he gets into chapter 2, he starts out chapter 2 talking about the, the sinful state of man and uh, as he uh, gets past that and on into uh, about verse 4, then he talks about salvation by grace. Salvation by grace. And uh, that kind of opens up where he's going to go next as he's talking to a combination of Jewish, Jewish people and Gentile people, people or heathen people. Uh, to kind of put this in something I think we will understand even better, uh, today, we as believers, if, if, if we're in a crowd and we get to thinking about it, our minds 
uh, might look around the crowd and, and say, well, there's two groups of people here, and this is true. Uh, anytime you get into a group of people, there's usually two types of people there. There's saved and there's lost. So uh, that's kind of a, a comparison uh, as to how uh, we can tend to be a little exclu exclusive. But the difference for us believers is we may be in a crowd of lost people. We may be saved in a crowd of lost people, but we are to always show the love of Christ and let that be an outflowing from our lives uh, around lost people. So uh, we are now going to get into uh, chapter 2, the uh, 10th verse. And if you would, let's all stand as we read from the Word. Paul starts out and says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles, or heathen, in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision, in the flesh made by hands, that at that time... Ye were without Christ. Now, he's, he's addressing the, uh, uh, the Gentiles here. At that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, the Gentiles, are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity hereby. And he came and preached peace unto you, which were afar off, the Gentiles, and to them that were nigh, the Jews. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus, him, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building is fitly framed together uh, uh, to grow unto a holy temple. God is building a church, is what God is doing here. Now, uh, let's drop down into chapter 3, verse 3. Paul now says, And that by revelation he has made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, 
as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. <clears throat> Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your salvation. And we are so thankful that you died for all, for everyone. And dear Heavenly Father, as we uh, now expound upon your word, I just pray, dear Heavenly Father, that everyone's hearts and ears and minds would be open and hear the word that you have to say today. For we pray these things in thy name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Now, as we, as we go back and start uh, uh, looking at these verses, verse by verse, some of them I'm going to spend a little time on, some maybe a little bit more, but uh, I'm going to go back to uh, verse 11, and he, he's, he's starting out here talking in verses 10, 11, and 12. <clears throat> he, he's really uh, pointing this towards the Gentile uh, believers here in this passage. And, and he says that in times past, you Gentiles uh, were called uncircumcised by those who were circumcised. Now, uh, this all goes back into the book of Genesis. Uh, God had a lot of commands for the Jewish people. And in, in uh, Genesis 17, God made a covenant with Abraham that Jewish babies should be circumcised. But this Although God ordained it, although God commanded it uh, to get started with uh, Abraham's seed, this was something done by human hands. And that's, that's what uh, Paul is making a, a point of there uh, in verse 11 when he says, in flesh by the hands. <clears throat> We've got to remember that when Christ came to the earth and Christ came and died on the cross for our sins, it changed everything. It changed a lot of things. And, and so we've got to keep that in mind as we uh, look at this. And, and we, uh, we know that Jesus struggled with the Jewish leaders in his uh, ministry uh, on earth uh, with him doing things that were not according to Jewish customs and traditions. He, he, uh, he struggled with that a lot. But uh, when, when Christ came and died on the cross for our sins, it really changed a lot of things. So moving on, verse 12 says uh, that at that time, and this is uh, uh, talking again to the, the uh, uh, Gentiles, he says, Y'all, you Gentiles were foreigners to the Jews, <clears throat> and you were far from the covenants of promise that God had made to the Jews. If you study your Old Testament, you will see that God had a lot of covenants uh, with the Jewish people. And he's, he's just letting the uh, uh, people here know, the, the uh, uh, heathens, the Gentiles, that they were uh, not a part of the commonwealth of Israel, but were, for, but were foreigners. And they, they had no hope, and they were without God in the world. Verse 13, but now Christ, now in Christ, 
ye who sometimes were afar off, the Gentiles, were made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both Jews and Gentiles one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now, some of this, some of this language here that I'm speaking almost sounds like some things we hear in, in wedding vows. Uh, uh, making, making two one, uh, breaking things down to make two one. Christ did all of that. Christ did all of that for us. But here he's trying to emphasize to these, these Jews that want to sit on one side of the church house and the Gentiles that want to sit on the other, he's trying to make them realize, hey, we are to be one. We are to be together. Christ has broken down uh, uh, the wall between us. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh, that is in the Christ, in uh, the flesh of Christ on the cross, he's broken down the enmity. Your version, uh, I, I was reading from the King James, but your version may say hostility uh, or the state of hatred that was between uh, the parties, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances. Now, let's stop right there just for a minute. Uh, first of all, let's, let's look at this hatred that there was between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, uh, we, we don't want to be too quick uh, to criticize the Jewish people for having uh, hatred for us Gentiles. Why? Uh, because, number one, uh, we, we all know that they were God's chosen people. Uh, and through the centuries, there were numerous, numerous times that there were plans to try to an annihilate the Jews. Even in uh, uh, some of the years that some of you have seen uh, Adolf Hitler, that was his goal. He wanted to annihilate the Jews. So uh, when you've got somebody that's always wanting to annihilate you and kill you, well, they're not exactly your best friend. So this put a wall of hostility between the Jewish people and all the Gentiles. So what Paul's trying to get at here is, folks, Christ has died for all of us. He, he is speaking to saved people here. Christ has died for all of us. And we are considered as one. We are not to consider ourselves separate. Uh, he, he's taking care of all of that. Uh, then he, he talks about uh, uh, abolishing the law of the commandments contained in ordinances. Now, this, uh, this is very critical that you understand this. This is not saying that when Christ came, it done away with the Ten Commandments. No, no. There were a lot of the commandments that God gave to the Jewish people centuries and centuries ago uh, that were not moral. They were just ordinances that they were to follow. I'm not going to read all of this, uh, but it was interesting to review this. Uh, I'm going to just uh, state the uh, book of Numbers, chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, just to show how... Uh, well, in, in, a, in a Gentile way of thinking, how ridiculous some of these rules and regulations were. But th this particular passage has to do with touching uh, a, a dead person or a dead animal and all of the things that they had to go through, the Jewish people had to go through to be clean again. 
when Jesus came and died on our cross, he did away with all of these old statutes. Everything was new. That's why we've got Old Testament and New Testament. Everything changed uh, with Jesus. And, of course, the verse ends by saying that he made himself twain, one, new man, so making peace. Verse 16, that he might reconcile or bring together again both Jew and Gentile or Jew and heathen uh, unto God and in one body, which of course refers to the body of believers, by the cross, uh, having slain the enmity here, hereby, again referring to the hostility. Then in verse 17, Paul says, He came and preached to you which were afar off, the Gentiles, and to you that were nigh, the Jews. For through him both have access by one Spirit under the Father. This right here tells us that what Jesus did for us on the cross is for everybody. It's, it's for Jew and Gentile alike. Christ died for all. And it was also that we may have access to the Holy Spirit of God. And then 19, he says that, Therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, as he had mentioned uh, back in 13 and 14, but you are now fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. We are, we are a family when we accept Christ into our hearts and lives. We become the family of God. We sing about that. I, uh, I think it's in the Baptist hymnal. We've got a song that sings about the family of God. And so when, when we as believers come together as a family of God, we need to be united in our spirit. Now, sure, uh, there might be times we disagree with a few things, but there's, uh, I love the old saying, let's disagree, but let's don't be disagreeable. Well, that's, that's the way uh, we should, should live our lives, especially together as brothers and sisters. Uh, then he goes on and says, and uh, he, he's talking about the believers. The believers are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building, referring to the church, is fitly framed together to grow into a holy temple. Jesus came as part of God's plan for this church to be built. I am referring to the, the church that Christ built. I'm referring to the church that God built. If you are sitting here today and you are a saved child of God, you're part of that church that Christ is still building. He's still working on it. It's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. If you're a saved child of God, you are a part of that church. And when I say a church of Christ, a church of God, I'm not talking about denominations. I'm talking about a church that at the end of times, when if you'll read enough of Paul's writings, he uses the phrase, the end of times, the end of ages. Paul is referring to when we are all together with Christ as one body of unified believers, then we will be the church that God is building on right now. And as a, as a believer, you are a part of that. In whom ye are builded together, and there's that word together again, 
uh, very important whenever you're thinking about these Jews and Gentiles not wanting to be together as they worship. So he uses that word together again for a habitation of God through the Spirit. The church is to be a community where the Spirit dwells. The church is to be a community where the Spirit dwells. Now, verse, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 3. Uh, Paul kind of changes gears a little bit. He's talked, uh, he's talked to the, the Jews and the Gentiles here about how they've been brought together. And now he's getting ready to really uh, drop the shoe, so to speak, or he's getting down to where the rubber meets the road as he is addressing uh, these Jewish believers and these Gentile believers here at the church of Ephesus. He says, uh, by revelation, he, referring to the Holy Spirit of Christ, has made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in a few words. Now, uh, I, didn't, I, I wasn't going to go into this, but in the first chapter of the book of Ephesus, uh, Christ mentions a mystery and he just mentioned it in one verse and so he's referencing that again and he says whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ now a mystery is something uh, that has not been explained or understood in the past but is now understood and explained for all to know and see. Now, one of the reasons the, the writers believe that Paul used the word mystery so much so many times was because it was a very familiar word in that day and age where you had so many pagan uh, religions. Uh, a lot of the pagan religions had a lot of mystique about them. They had a lot of uh, secrecy about them and a lot of these mysteries uh, that were kind of in the upper hierarchy of these uh, pagan temples uh, was supposed to remain a secret it was supposed to remain a mystery but a a mystery uh, is something that has not been explained or understood in the past but is now understood and explained so paul is saying i'm going to explain one of the mysteries of christ to you and he knew that his readers would latch on uh, to these words now when 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 paul mentions the word mystery i've just got to ask how many of us love mystery movies mystery movies okay all right quite a few mystery books i don't read a whole lot mystery books yeah all right we uh we 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 do love our mysteries that's just something that's not changed over thousands and thousands of years we love a mystery how about personal mysteries do we ever have any personal mysteries such as a few weeks ago i lost a pair of glasses and i'm talking prescription glasses does this sound familiar bob Rhodes? <laughs> and i just knew i knew i knew that i had taken them off i was out in my shop getting ready to go fishing and I was changing out uh, glasses because I've got a particular prescription pair I like to wear when I'm out on the water and I just knew I knew I knew that I took them off and I walked over I just knew I did I laid them on my desk there in my shop well 
by the end of that day, I couldn't find them. Didn't really think about it. Next morning, I got up, and I thought, well, I've got to go find my glasses. I thought, I know, I know I put them on this desk. So I walked out to my shop. My, my glasses are gone. They're not there. I know I put them there. So here, here, here was my mystery. Where did my glasses go? I thought, well, maybe the cats got up here and knocked them off. So I got down on hands and knees, and I looked all around. I could not find my glasses. I looked, I think, for three <laughs> or four days <laughs> looking for my glasses, and I could not find them. This was a real mystery. But then the truth was revealed unto me, and the mystery was solved. I was coming up the driveway one afternoon. We got a gravel driveway. And just the way the afternoon was, sun was shining at an angle, I saw something kind of glitter. And all of a sudden, my heart jumped up in my throat. And I stopped, and I looked, and there was my glasses. Laying there in the driveway, I had solved the mystery. I did not put them on my desk like I thought I had. I'd laid them up on top of my fishing boat. So whenever I went bouncing down the driveway, they fell off. Yes, they were crushed. They were ruined. But uh, we, we do have mysteries that really uh, uh, get our attention. And, and mystery is just something that Paul knew would get the reader's attention here at this point. So in verse 5, he says, This mystery, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles, and prophets by the Spirit. Now, Paul is saying here that it's not been revealed in times past. However, there are all kinds of Old Testament references uh, about the Gentiles being saved. Uh, and, and I've run a bunch of these references, but I'm only going to share one. The book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah in the 60th chapter, verse 3 says, The Gentiles shall come to thy light. Uh, in a lot of these prophecies in the Old Testament, it doesn't say Gentiles. It says all, A-L-L, all, uh, will uh, uh, come to the light, will be able uh, to come to Christ at, at, the, uh, uh, at the proper time. So why is it that... This stuff may just now be getting re uh, uh, revealed to Paul. Now, I'm, I'm stepping out here a little bit, okay? Bear with me just a minute. Generally, us men, when we read things, or I'll speak for myself, when I read things, I don't really read it as good as I should, especially directions or instructions. I just kind of skim over them, you know. And then after I get something almost put together and realized I've missed a step. Then I'll go back and read the instructions. How many of you have read the same verse in the Bible time and time again, the same story, and all of a sudden, one day, something just pops out at you that you've never seen before, you'd never thought about? It. Happens very common. For some reason, God has things that he wants us to see at certain times in our lives. And I truly believe this is what Paul is referring to here. Paul was a, he was a Roman citizen and he was a Jew. All Jewish men uh, should have known these prophecies. But maybe he had just 
read it, but it had never jumped out to him. But he's saying, now the Holy Spirit has showed me this. And of course, verse 6 is where uh, he really brings his point home. Verse 6, he says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. I, when I study, I, I've got two or three different study Bibles. And I was, I was really interested in what the NIV translation said. And I like this. This mystery is that through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Three times the word together is used. <clears throat> what, what a powerful way to say, folks, when we as believers come together, we need to be unified together. We need, uh, to, uh, we need for Christ to help us uh, as believers, be unified uh, in, in spirit and in truth and in doctrine and, and in belief. One of the, the things that uh, I thought about when I saw the word sharers together, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to a story of Friendship Baptist Church here right real quick. How many of you, one of the first things your mama probably taught you was how to share? Yeah, not ahead. Yeah, share. Sharing is very uh, important here. And so Paul is telling the Jews and the Gentiles, y'all got to share with one another. This gospel is for y'all to share. Quick story about sharing. When I was five or six years old, sitting uh, beside my mom in, at Friendship Baptist Church one day, she handed me a stick of double mint chewing gum. It was the only stick she had in her purse. And she whispered, Split this in half and give it to your sister. Give half of it to your sister. Well, I looked at my sister, and I looked at Mom, and she was already looking at the preacher, so I unwrapped it. I popped the whole thing in my mouth. I know two seconds had not gone by, and she grabbed me by my collar, yanked me up out of the pew, and uh, uh, on the outside of Friendship Baptist Church at that time was a little porch, had two old stinking cedar bushes on each side of the porch. She took me and shoved my head right down into that stinky cedar, choked me until that gum came rolling out of my mouth. And she said, you will learn to share. So any time I need to think about a lesson on sharing, I've never forgot that. So today, as we wind down to a close, I want to ask you something. Are you, do you know for sure that you are a saved child of God going to heaven? Are you sure that you have asked Jesus to come into your heart? Now, you may be a church member here at Rosebower, somewhere else, I don't know. But there are times that People who have been church members for years realize that there was one thing that they missed years ago 
And that was that they didn't actually ask Christ into their hearts. Somebody else prayed a prayer for them, et cetera, et cetera. So today, I want you to examine yourself, and I want you to ask, am I truly a part of God's church? Have I been saved? Have I repented of my sins and asked Jesus to come into my heart and my life and indwell his Holy Spirit in me? One more quick example. About a year, uh, a little over a year ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with a, a childhood friend. Uh, we had lunch together the first time we'd sit down. We figured that it was the first time we'd sit at a table and had lunch together since we was in high school. We got to talking about our testimonies and our salvation experience. And I said, well, Kent, I said, uh, you were saved right after I was. And he said, well, I thought I was. He said, at nine years of age, he said, youth revival, uh, walked down front one night with a group of youth. They prayed and got up and announced that uh, this group of people, this uh, young people's group, uh, had accepted Christ. And he said, I, I, I didn't really think that was right. And he said, a year or two later, I realized, no, that wasn't right. So he said, at about the age of 14, I went down again one night, talked to the pastor. And he said, Jesse, he said, I still have trouble believing this to this day, that this pastor took me uh, uh, to the front, front row, to the front pew, and knelt down and went through the plan of salvation with me again, which he said, I already knew that. And the pastor prayed that I be saved. And he said, I, uh, you know, teenage boy, I just, I thought, well, okay, all right, all right. But he said, I never was satisfied with that. He said, it just eat at me. For several more years that I had never personally asked Jesus to come into my heart. He said that he got so burdened about it. He said on a, a hot June morning in a hayfield. He got so burdened about it that he knew. He, by this time he had read the Bible more. He, he realized you don't have to be at church to be saved. I thought the same thing when I was eight years old. You can be saved anywhere. But he said, I was, I was raking hay. I was the only one around for miles. He said, I got so burdened about my lostness. He said, I stopped that tractor. He said, I jumped down. And he said, I asked God to save me. And he said, Jesse, he said, man, the feeling that come over me was just something you can't hardly describe. But he said, I knew then. I knew then that I was a child of God. I knew that I'd done it right, that I'd asked Jesus into my heart. And I knew that I was a part of his kingdom and that I was a part of his church. So today, as we go into a time of invitation, I, if, if you're unsure, I'd be glad to talk to you about it now or we can uh, set up a, a, a time after the service. It doesn't matter to me, but... This, in, this invitation is not only for anybody that might be lost, but this invitation is going to be for anybody that needs to come to pray uh, over a, a certain burden that they might have. But we are just going to ask that the, the Lord will lead you and guide you during these next few minutes of this invitation. As our musicians come, I'll lead us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace. 
And we thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that salvation is just simply asking you for forgiveness of our sins and to come into our hearts and indwell in us. We just thank you that it's that easy. Dear Heavenly Father, if there's anyone here today that needs to make a decision for you this day, I pray that this would be the day that they would do so. We just turn this service over to you now, God, for we pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's all stand. <clears throat> all to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence. They Thank you this morning for your attendance, uh, for listening patiently. Uh, I've got just a few announcements that I'll go over as well as a prayer request. I hope on your way in you picked up one of our uh, weekly bulletin sheets out on the front table. <coughs> uh, this Wednesday again at 6.30, uh, we are going to have archery 
uh, Cubby's Choir and Crafts. And this is going to go on uh, each uh, Wednesday evening at 6.30 through August the 16th. So if you come in late, if you come in late on these Wednesdays, you better not walk through the fellowship hall because that's where the archery's at. If, you're, if, you, if you walk in to go to the Bible study, you better find another door to go through. But we will be having Bible study as well uh, in room 109. Uh, another announcement that's on our bulletin that wasn't on there last week, East Marshall Baptist Church on Morse Camp Highway over in Marshall County has invited us to a community celebration and open house that will be this Saturday, July 22nd, from 4 until 7. Now, for a little quick background, East Marshall Baptist was heavily damaged uh, during the tornado. And uh, before the tornado, uh, Rosebauer already had a partnership with East. Uh, we had been over a time or two to help them do some grounds cleanup and help them with some projects. And so, and they've... they've uh, uh, been in some of our services while their church was being rebuilt early on. So they uh, would love for us to come and see what they've done with their church building. Now, I've, I've been in it, and if you could see what it looked like right after the tornado, that church has been through a miracle. It really has. But uh, if, you would, if you would like to go and you're unsure how to get there, you need any details, call me, shoot me a text, uh, let me know. All right. One week from this afternoon, from 2 to 4 in the fellowship hall, uh, there is going to be a baby sprinkle, not a shower, but a sprinkle uh, for uh, Megan and Ryan Mathis. They've got a girl on the way, and they are registered on Amazon. So please remember that, be in attendance uh, for that if you can. Uh, in the way of a prayer request, we, we got an email sent out about this, but there's been some uh, details added. Uh, Brother Philip Day lost his sister earlier in the week. She'd been in bad health for a while. And the funeral uh, was set to be tomorrow at 12 noon at Milner and Or Paducah. But in the meantime, her husband, uh, who was not in great health either, has become very ill. The doctors are telling the family that his death is imminent. And so right now, as it stands right now, pardon? Oh, okay. Uh, you got word of that just here in a little bit. Okay. I, le I left my phone back there on the pew, so I don't have it with me right now. Okay, so his brother-in-law did pass away. Uh, what the Oh, they did postpone the funeral. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't know what the new details will be, but this will be a joint funeral service for Mr. and Mrs. Katermis. So please, re uh, again, this is Philip Day's sister and brother-in-law. So please remember Philip and all of the uh, Katermis family in prayer today. All right, let's stand and uh, be dismissed. Again, we're glad you have been with us today, and I'm going to ask Brother Jim Ellis, if he would, to dismiss us, please.